Miss? No clipboards today, so you older kids are going to have to listen. to wipe tears out of your eyes when you're playing guitar and singing at the same time. So now's the time. We're going to be looking today, like I spoke about before, about loving the Word of God. Loving the Word of God. It can be hard to love the Word of God at times. And there are different reasons Scripture talks about for not loving the Word or for falling short of loving the Word. <clears throat> and I want to show you one of these reasons why it can be hard just by reading one passage of Scripture. I did this with my Sunday school this morning, and like I said, I did it at Miracle Mountain before. Um, but I think there's something that plays out here that we've all experienced. <clears throat> What I'm going to do is I'm going to read Psalm 119, verses 97 to 104. <clears throat> what I want you to do is pretend that Jesus is sitting right next to you while you read this out loud to him. See how comfortable you are reading this out loud to Jesus. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. How are you doing so far? Your commandments, they make me wiser than my enemies, for it is forever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. How are you doing keeping Jesus' precepts? All his laws, all his commands, all the good things that he asks us to do. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. Now it's easy for us to read this to our friends or to people that we might be strangers to or whatever it is. But to read this to Christ who knows your heart completely. He knows all your ways, your comings and your goings, when the lights are off, when the lights are on, when you think you're in a secret place. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And stop just there. Just there is already enough to convict any one of us before Christ. I'm convicted when I'm just like at a restaurant with my wife sitting there and I start to talk about something and she knows 100% that what I'm saying is not exactly true. And all of us in a marriage relationship or even a friendship relationship has that time where they call you out on it. 
you do not keep your room clean. You do not always fill up the gas tank for me. You do not always, like the list gets pretty long of what we do not always do. Um, And in this passage, it would be very similar. Should I read this to God? He could easily say to me, you do not hate every evil way. You do not always depart from these things. You do not find the word sweet on your lips so that you push all the fruits and vegetables aside just to get to the word. Like you would at a meal. Like my kids especially would at a meal. They just want to get to that dessert. That's kind of like the point that they're trying to make. Do you love this word so much that you're willing to skip the entree? Let's just get right to the dessert of scripture. That's how much I love it. And Jesus would say, no, you don't. It crushes your soul and your confidence and it makes you not want to read the word anymore. I don't, want, I don't believe that all the time. I want to be that thing, but I'm not that thing. And so your reading starts to fade. Your meditation, I don't want to meditate on that because that's not where I'm at. Christ knows me. I feel like I'm lying or whatever it is. Interestingly, right? David's probably the writer of this psalm. Did he love the word while he was home from war when he should have been at battle? Did he meditate it all day when he saw Bathsheba bathing on the other roof? Did he hold back his feet from every evil way when he slept with her, got her pregnant, sent the husband to sleep with her so he could get away with having a baby with a woman who was not his wife? Did he hate every false way when he sent Uriah out to the front of battle to be killed because he just could not get rid of the guy? And yet here we have Psalm 119. Oftentimes we don't love the word because it shines a light on our souls and our consciences. John 3.19 says this, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. It's possible today some of you don't love the word because your deeds are evil. You know what you're doing in some area of your life is wrong. And every time you open the Bible, it seems to speak to that, and it almost hurts. Like turning on a light too fast in the morning. It's bright, it hurts, I need to change this thing, I don't want to see it anymore. You close your eyes, you shut the Bible, you move on. I don't even want to think about it. It's too convicting. So for some of you, that's why you don't love the Word, or maybe why it's kind of fallen to the side, because there's something you need to deal with there. Oftentimes we don't love the Word because it's hard to understand. You just want to pick up that Percy Jackson book. You want to pick up something light. You want to get that Washington Post, whatever it is. I'll read all the other things, but not the Bible. It's too hard. I got a four-year college degree, but the Bible, that's too much. Right? You can read the instructions to my dishwasher and install it myself, but the Bible, I don't know about that. But you wouldn't be alone in finding Scripture difficult and staying away because you feel like maybe you're not qualified. Even Peter says this in Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, 
Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters, pay attention, contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Paul's words, his letters are hand in hand with scripture here. Peter's saying, the letters that Paul writes are scripture. And they're hard to understand, just like some of the other scriptures. And these people, they distort them and they contradict them, just like the other scriptures. So for some of you, you don't love the word because it's hard to understand. And you don't want to ask anybody to teach you or to get something to guide you. Or even trust that if you should open it, if you should study it, that the Holy Spirit will guide you as you study. And lead you into all truth. Oftentimes we don't love the word because the things of this world swallow up our time and our attention. James 4.4 4 says this, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Maybe part of the reason that you aren't in the word is simply because you've become a friend of everything that is in the world and made no time for the word. Right? Whether it's Facebook, whether it's a tweet, whether it's Fox News, whatever it is that just binds your time in a way that you cannot even meditate for a second on a passage of Scripture. You can't focus on it. You love the world, the things of the world. I can make four hours out of my day to watch movies, but not four minutes to sit down with the Scripture. Some of you don't love the word just because you don't love Jesus. So you don't know Jesus. You're not saved. And so you hate the word. Why would you love it? What does it contain there for you? John 5 verses 35 through 38 says this. John was a lamp that burned and gave light. And you were willing for a season to bask in his light. But I have testimony more substantial. This is Jesus talking. I have testimony more substantial than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works I'm doing, they testify about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified about me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word abide in you because you do not believe the one he sent. Pay attention to this. You study the scripture diligently... Because you think that in them you have eternal life. But these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So some of you don't love the scriptures because you don't know Jesus. You don't know your sin. You don't know Christ. What's my need? He was a nice guy, but that's all you know. He's just like a really good teacher. But what he's saying here, I don't want. And then these guys, the Pharisees, were doing the opposite. They're studying the scripture diligently so that they may become the best of the best and maybe God would accept them, but they wanted nothing to do with Jesus. You can do both. You can be very studied in the word and not love the word at all because you do not love Jesus at all. It's an important distinction to make. So some of you might sit every day with the Bible in front of you. The 
daily bread, whatever it is. But you do not love Jesus. You love the routine, your mother always did it, whatever it is. Scripture is good, but Jesus, you know, it can be hard to read, study, meditate on, love, obey the word, because we're missing something extremely important. We're missing Christ. You'll see how this changes. You see, we see a list of rules. We see a list of standards that we can't live up to. When we read the scripture, it just weighs us down. We kind of trudge through it, maybe because we have to. We're trying to earn points for camp, whatever it is. Just, I'll plow through it. I'll get my checklist off today. We don't want to be like the Pharisees who studied the word, thinking that in them they would find salvation, but missed Christ completely. We don't want to study the word to hit those checklists or to feel superior or to feel secure in Christ. If I just read more, then I'll feel more like I'm saved and then I won't be nervous that if I die today, I'll go to hell. I'll just keep reading and reading and maybe then I'll get to heaven. We want to read the word because in them we hear of Christ. His salvation for sinners from the beginning in Genesis all the way through to Revelation. You say to yourself, well, the Old Testament never speaks of Jesus. Where is this Jesus of the Old Testament you're talking about? John chapter 1, verses 43 to 45 says this. And you'll see really quickly that New Testament believers knew Jesus was in there. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael then, and he said to him, We have found the one to whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. That means Genesis all the way up through. We have found the one who the Old Testament was speaking of. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 to 4. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. What Scriptures is he talking about? The Old Testament Scriptures. This is Paul writing and saying, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. You see, they had been looking at the scriptures and they had found Christ. And this was exciting. What a change in the way they would have read the scriptures now. So Jesus is in Genesis. Jesus is in Exodus. Jesus is in Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Now they're flipping back through the Old Testament going, he's everywhere. I didn't see this before. I thought it was laws. I thought it was struggle. I thought it was just memorize it. Get it done and then you'll be the best of the best and then maybe. But Paul says, I was the best of the best and I had nothing because I did not have Christ. So now they read the word and it is sweet to them. There is rest there. There is hope there. There is a patient God there. There is a God who dies for sinners. A God who became flesh and dwelt among us. He's there from beginning to end. So as you read your scripture, both in the Old and the New Testament, I urge you to keep your eye out for Christ. 
When you're getting to Leviticus and you're like, what are all these wave offerings and heave offerings and tearing birds in half? And what does that have to do with Christ? Those were a foreshadow of the suffering Christ would bear for your sake. You should have been crushed, torn, bled out, suffered, died for your sins. But Jesus is the Lamb who was slain. Jesus is the one who was crushed. Jesus is the one who was your scapegoat, where the sins were put on that animal, and then it was sacrificed as a payment. Jesus is all throughout Scripture. The blessing of Scripture, too, is that God was under no obligation to give this to us. Sometimes it's super fun, like Salem and some of my other kids, they write letters to different friends of the family, and they're not super punctual about getting one back, maybe. Um, But when they do get one, it's awesome. They're super excited about it because they didn't expect to get it. They didn't have to get one back. But that communication back and forth. See, we didn't have to hear from God in Scripture. He gave us Scriptures so that we could know Him. This is who I am. This is what I do. Here He is and here. You want to know about the Christ who saves sinners? He's right here from beginning to end. And He didn't just provide us with these Scriptures. So He read... Uh, John 1, 1 through 14. This is super important as you read scripture to understand this. I'm going to read it again for you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is this Word that they keep talking about? Well, it says right here, He was God. Now pay attention and read carefully. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light. But he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the important part right here. And we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son of God from the Father, full of grace and truth. Not only did they have the Old Testament Scriptures, not only did they come to faith in Christ and look back and say, here He is, here He is, here He is, But the Word, Christ, became flesh, Jesus, and walked among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
as you read the scripture and it's hard and it convicts and it guides and it cuts and it sets a bar for our lives so high we could not even peek over it. Know this, and this is the important transition here. The word itself became flesh and walked among us so that it could read Psalm 119 without flinching. So what do I mean? Let's go back to Psalm 119. What a change it is to read it now. Imagine now instead of you reading Psalm 119, Christ reads Psalm 119. Oh, how I love your laws. It is my meditation all the day. There is only one person who can read that perfectly, and that is Jesus Christ. The rest of us should stop immediately. Your commandments, they make me wiser than my enemies before it's, for it's ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the age, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. Jesus can say those words with a guilt-free conscience. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Oftentimes we don't love the word because we think I must fulfill all the promises here. But Christ has fulfilled all the promises here in the scripture. So when you read, thou shalt not lie, you should say, I have lied. Thank you, Christ, for not lying. When it says you shouldn't steal, thank you, Christ, for not stealing because I have stolen. Forgive me. When you say you should always love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments. You have no hope in you keeping those. So thank God for Jesus Christ, the word that became flesh, who kept the word, who is the word. So when you read scripture, there is now hope. God, forgive me. Thank you for your son. As you read, you can read it with joy that somebody could read it with a clear conscience. Every word, every part. Jesus suffered because we could not keep the law. We could not keep the word. The word then had to become flesh and dwell among us. Loving the word of God is born out of a knowledge that Jesus has fulfilled the law, defeated death, reigns on high, intercedes for us, that he is here from Genesis to Revelation. It is not you who hold yourself fast to Christ, but Christ who holds us fast. Love for the word does not come by keeping the laws. That will only make you hate it. 
Love for the word comes from faith in Christ, that he has kept the law for us. Love for the word comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he not only did he keep the law, but he paid for our sin debt. I have broken God's laws from beginning to end, and he has paid that fine. I should be the one in prison, in hell, for eternity. That should be me. Because I'm incapable of paying an eternal debt that I owe to God. But Christ, who is God, is able to pay an eternal debt. And so the gospel encourages us to read, because the crushing I deserve was on Christ. The law I must keep, Christ kept. The death I must suffer, he suffered. The mediation between me and God, he stepped in between. He perfectly talks to the Father. And when I don't even know what to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for me. So as you begin to read with a love for the word from Genesis to Revelation... To learn more of Jesus Christ, do not be deterred by your lack. Be encouraged by his forgiveness and his hope, his salvation. Thank him for his sacrifice as you read. We love the word because it's the revelation of God's salvation, sanctification, glorification of sinners through the perfect life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it grants us the salvation that we do not deserve in him. And that is why Christians love the word. Because in it we find Christ. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that you love us despite our sin. That you have offered yourself to the world. God, it is your will to save those who believe in you. There is no other hope but you. There is no salvation in any other religion. There is no God but the God of Scripture. There is no Savior but Jesus. There is no hope but Him. No one has kept the law. Muhammad, Buddha, all the rest are a lie and a joke. None of them could have read Psalm 119 without stuttering the whole way through in fear and conviction. But you can read it, God faultless, flawless, guiltless. God, I pray that as we read scripture and as we are convicted, that we would come to you, confess our sins, knowing you're faithful and just. You forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and know that you're working out our sanctification whether we want to or not, that you discipline those that you love, conforming us to the image of your son, making us like you. God, I pray that we would share the good news that Christ is in the scripture from beginning to end and that our only hope is in him and that he has the perfect one died to save us imperfect sinners. Help us to go in grace and mercy and love and forgiveness uh, with the rest of our brothers and sisters, strangers and enemies today because of your word and because of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You can turn in your hymnals to 666, Jesus, I Love Thee. We'll end with this.
My Jesus, I love Thee, I know Thou art mine. For Thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art Thou. If ever I love Thee, my Jesus, tis now. I love Thee because Thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love Thee for wearing the thorns on Thy brow. If ever I love Thee, my Jesus, tis now. I'll love Thee in life. I will love Thee in death. And praise Thee as long as Thou lendest me breath. And say when the death do lies cold on my brow, if ever I love Thee, my Jesus, tis now in mansions of glory and endless delight. I'll ever adore Thee in heaven so bright. I'll sing with the glittering crown on my brow. If ever I love Thee, my Jesus, tis now. You are dismissed.